Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And comics, my friends, they are comics. Comics! Yes. Oh, my gosh. It has been far too long, but new comic books are finally back on the stands, the virtual stands, the sidewalk. I don't know where they're coming to. I don't know what's going on. They're uh, everywhere. But... They're throwing it at my front door every uh, Wednesday morning. <laughs> Ooh, wouldn't that be nice? You guys uh, don't have, have a comic boy who brings you your <laughs> comics? Please, Mr. Justin, sir, may I deliver comic to you? Hey, here's your licorice whip, boy. Thank you for the Supermans. I'd love what? some money. Wait, come back. You guys are old. <laughs> yes, we are. We're from the 1980s or whatever. Uh, but yeah, comics are finally back. Uh, all the major publishers are finally releasing Titles again, including Marvel and DC. DC, of course, has been doing the Tuesday thing for a while. Doesn't seem like that's going to stop anytime soon. But everybody else is back to that Wednesday schedule. So we got a big, fat stack of new comic books for you. And I want to promise this is everything. No fat shaming. We're not fat shaming here. We're just saying it's a big stack. No, it's a P-H-A-T stack. P-H-A-T stack. Of course. It's a morbidly Uh, obese stack. And that's a a (laughs) clinical term. Wow, Nancy Pelosi over here. What's going on? Uh, Hey, what could I say? I watch the news, so sue me. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Anyway, uh, I can't promise this is every new title that's coming out, but certainly we look through almost every new title that's coming out on this very Wednesday. So let's get into it, because there's lots to talk about. First one to talk about, though, this is a big, highly anticipated issue. Uh, Speaking of morbidly obese, Ludocrats number one from Image Comics. I can't believe you're starting with this one. I mean, it's uh, people are really looking forward to this. Uh, Kieran yeah. Gillen, r- written by Kieran Gillen and Jim Rossignol, uh, pencils and inks by Jeff Stokely. I think I looked at the credits in the back. It was not entirely clear, uh, but that's what I think is going on. The concept of this book is it takes place in a bizarre alternate reality where everything is ludicrous, or at least you're required by law to be ludicrous. It follows one majorly ludicrous person named Otto who believes in excess in all things as he goes to a wedding and courts a human train and then things go horribly wrong. What did you think of this new book? Do you think Ludacris from um, Fast and the Furious was signed off? Luda. Well, he didn't, but there was a guest star in the issue, which was my favorite part of the issue. Uh, Casanova. What? I was going to say, my big comparison for this book was Casanova. And I thought that like maybe (laughs) 10 pages in. And then I turned the page and there he is. I, I, I thought it was like a perverted version of Chew. I guess the art kind of yeah. looks like Rob art. Gilroy a little bit. I don't think it has anything to do with Chew. 
but uh, Casanova, I could see just because it's so over the top and insane the entire time. Casanova yeah. does show up very briefly. The main character is like, God damn it, a crossover that goes to beat him up. Um, that made me laugh out loud. Um, I really enjoyed this book. I enjoyed the art did. in this book. My one qualm is it didn't feel ridiculous enough. Which what I the wonder, fuck are you talking about? Which I wonder if that was the point. What the fuck are you talking about? There was a goddamn dick chicken on the wall. There was a fucking dick chicken. How the, is that not? The majority of the book is spent with the main character and who I assume is his assistant sitting around a wedding talking about politics. And I think the point here is to look back at aristocrats who are wearing these insane wigs and insane outfits, but then sit around drawing rooms talking about politics the entire time and to take that and extrapolate that to the furthest extreme. But I wanted it to go outside one room, which it doesn't for most of the issue. I thought that that was was the thing that held me back a little bit. Wow. I thought it was like a take on the aristocrats joke where it's just, keeps getting dirtier and weirder and bluer and like all fucked up because like interesting it starts off with the blood gown you know and then it goes Love to that. the di- then Love it goes that. to the dick chicken and i you know it's hard to i it, that was just too weird for me that was too weird for you you yeah, I mean, you weird giant dude. balls on a wall and then kind of like a hairless chicken that looked like a dick Burping uh, fluid into a beverage for uh, what was that dude's name? I had um, it's uh, the Mad Humper is what I was calling him. Okay, yeah, that's so. cool. Uh, uh, I I agree with you, Alex. I thought this is one of those things, comics, and like many things, where it's like you won't believe how crazy this is, and then if it's not like really crazy, it doesn't hit that mark it it sort of sets itself up in that way you don't think that that was crazy there was literally a woman who is part trained talking about her metal labia yeah that was that was good but i I wanted more of that stuff i wanted it to be more wild i want the storytelling to be crazy enough the background arts were just people fucking each other for most of this (laughs) that's most renaissance paintings go to a museum pete not now but sometime yeah right (laughs) <laughs> it's like a comic book on the wall. I know. Man. Uh, and just qualms aside, I like this, and I'm excited to read the second issue of this. There's enough imagination and ideas, and Kieran Gillen is somebody who I will read basically anything of all the time. Uh, but again, you start off with just the main character soaked in blood. There's almost no way to not come down from there. And it does. It sits in this thing for a while. It doesn't feel like it really gets going until the end of the book. Uh, And I want to see more of it as it goes. You want to see more dick chickens is what you're saying. You want more stuff like that. I tried to order dick chicken for dinner tonight, but the restaurant didn't have it. (laughs) Oh, man. Are they doing curbside delivery? Yes. Uh, but I guess dick chicken is something they, the chef wants to really prepare for you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You All right. Let's move it. on to a Marvel comic book. Very exciting that Marvel is back. Ironheart 2020, number one, written by Vita Ayala and Danny Lore, art by David Messina. This is, of course, spinning out of the 2020 event. The Dan Slot is masterminding uh, as Arno Stark has taken over the Stark 
industries uh, and robots have taken over a lot of the Marvel universe. Ironheart, meanwhile, Riri has given up her identity because of the thing going on with the champions where kids are illegal. Uh, they're not allowed to. Kids are illegal. Kids are illegal. It's real oh, no. Medicine I'm a criminal. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, it's, uh, they're not allowed to be superheroes. Uh, so that's where the spinning out of that. Um, I, I like the characterizations in this quite a bit. I thought uh, the uh, they did a good job with Riri and they made the story interesting overall. Well, my and I think maybe I'm reading into perhaps a complaint that you're not saying, Alex. I wanted this book to just be a Riri series first issue. Yeah. And instead it was just yeah. mired in these two crossover events, Outlawed and um, all the Iron Man AI stuff. And it just felt like so much treading water with those things. And we didn't get to have fun with uh, the main characters. And so I just wanted it to sort of dust off all of that continuity stuff and really uh, have some fun. Yeah, I think uh, uh, hopefully it'll get there. I mean, there are some fun moments where she jumps over the car with the kind of like cool Iron Man type shoes. And that was really awesome. Uh, But yeah, mainly it was just a lot of just kind of like moving stuff around. And uh, you got little glimpses of it. But I I hope as this continues, this will get better. There is, uh, I'll agree with you guys, there's a lot of exposition that's going on here. But uh, to your point, Justin, the Riri stuff, again, very good with her character as they dig in. There's a great cliffhanger at the end that I think is very smart and well done and makes me interested in seeing where it's going forward. So even if it's not a perfect first issue, I think I'm on board. I'm curious to see where they take it going forward. Uh, here's another one. This is actually wrapping up the series. Deceased Unkillables number three from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor and penciled by Carl Mostert. Uh, this is picking up on the Deceased event, which is a riff on zombie uh, stuff, but in the DC universe. This is following a bunch of villains who, as the title said, are unkillable, teaming up with Jason Todd and a bunch of kids in Gotham City who are trying to get to safety. Man, this is so much better than it needs to be. It's yes, uh, I, I really I like it. this. Yeah, I, yeah, this was unbelievable. The action was great. Uh, just a lot of fun stuff. The Wonder Woman cheetah stuff was so great. Like uh, even the the Mirror Master stuff was fun. Like scary. The, yeah, the yeah, and that's usually kind of a joke villain, but like that was a great job with them. And then cool Shazam moment. I. I was really impressed with this book. So good. I agree. Like all the different moments were really great. All the characters were really well made. I was such, I was bummed that this was the last issue when we got uh, for of the series when we got there. Um, and I think right now, especially, I'm a sucker for a zombie story um, where it's like we can't go outside. Shit's crazy. Run! <laughs> like I really was into that. Well, and the good news is that they're which I didn't read, but they're launching a new deceased series digitally. Uh, through DC, which I think you can check out on their website and their apps and everything. Um, So there is more to read. But yeah, I love the characters here. I think this is so well done. Definitely worth going back and revisiting the three issues. Next one to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number 14 from Boom Studios, written by Jordi Belair, illustrated by Julian Lopez, excuse me, and Moises Hidalgo. Are you getting choked Uh, up? Because we're talking about Buffy. very sad. No, I was burping a little bit. Uh, This is picking up on after the Hellmouth storyline. Willow is missing. Buffy is kind of flirting with a new guy a little bit. Kendra, the vampire slayer, is in the mix as well. Uh, We talked about the issue that focused just on Kendra, which we thought was great. Yeah. 
This is skipping ahead a little bit where now she's in Sunnydale and hanging out with Buffy proper. How'd you feel about this issue? I like this a lot, especially like I was um, sort of hesitant when the series started because it felt like it was just retreading um, a lot of stuff going on uh, that we've seen in the Buffy TV show. This it was the first issue I've read that really felt like, OK, this feels new and different. Um, Buffy's in a different place. There are some characters that are uh, new and interesting here. And I like just this. This felt like an easy jumping on point issue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel like this is really moving now, and uh, I, I feel like this is interesting. I mean, they have these kind of like uh, interesting moments, like her and her mom in her car. You f- kind of feel that stuff. It's it's great. Uh, also, I really love the ending. Uh, I thought they did a great job with that, and also the, the kiss was spectacular. So I feel like uh, this is really moving along here, finding its feet. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Justin and Pete, as well. Uh, this is—I've been enjoying it uh, across the board, but this is this is what the series should have been from the beginning, and it's it's yeah. very good. Start uh, here. Uh, Hawkeye Freefall, number five from Marvel Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg and art by Otto Schmidt. This is following Hawkeye. Of course, he is tangling with the hood. There yeah. is Ronan is on the loose, but Ronan He's tangled is tangled up in a hood. Yeah, Hawkeye is a scroll. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, this issue, it all goes down. We're getting close to the end here, I believe, with this uh, title. Uh, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I think Matt Rosenberg is killing this title. It's great. He does a great job um, uh, with Hawkeye, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a, a really powerful fun issue like you know it has this moment where it's like you guys are superheroes you're all like you know really badass dudes but then you were getting yelled at by somebody for being out of line that was some really crazy powerful stuff i really liked it uh i think matt's doing a great job of like kind of keeping what's great about uh, hawkeye it's not just about the superhero stuff it's all the human stuff and i feel like it's hit in a really good interesting powerful way i think this is a great comic yeah it's such a great mix of like humor like great storytelling like and sad moments yeah. um, in this issue as well. Um, love the use of the term Fortress of Solid Dudes. Oh, um, yes. Very that's funny. A f- that's a fun joke. Um, and, yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's nice to watch. Hawkeye's one of these characters that everyone seems to just rally around. Mm-hmm. Or creators really, like, go to, go to bat for, obviously, the Matt Fraction run. And this is just another great run in line with that where it's like, uh, a new take. Hawkeye really feels like he's in free fall, uh, hence the title. And it's great to watch him go that way. Yeah. And finally, villain at the end that uh, can't wait for the next issue. Yeah. So good. Uh, this series has been great across the board. I think jump on board if you haven't been reading it. Uh, next one, one of Justin's favorites, Birthright number 43 go, from JT. Image Comics. <laughs> <laughs> created and written by Joshua Williamson, created an art by Andre Bresson. Uh, Justin, could you really quickly talk about the concept of this no, book? please don't <laughs> no. put us through that uh, I actually don't think that's important at all here because we're at the no. point where it's basically 
and a family is fighting a mystical world, and specifically an evil villain called the God King Lore, who is now trying to invade and take over Earth after he has destroyed uh, the previous land that he was in. We are getting to the end here. This has got epic in a way I could not have expected at all. Yeah. The whole series reads like um, just a great action movie trilogy, um, a fantasy action movie. And it's it's really the amount of just orchestration of this series. It's really well done um, the way things were have been paced so perfectly um, across the board. The art's fantastic and um, so excited to see where this ends up. Now, I got to give Justin a lot of credit for hanging with this book because like it started strong, then it got a little weird, but then came back hard, and now we're at such a great place that I am so happy that like I got a chance to kind of like read this book and experience this book. This is a fucking unbelievable issue. The action's unbelievable. Wow, look and at Pete. The build up wow. to this. I couldn't I was so pissed when this comic ended. I was like, no, <laughs> no. I don't well, want to Not enough can be said here. about Andre Bresson's art as well. And just yeah. the design of the monsters and the fantasy landscapes yeah. and everything is absolutely fantastic. A uh, little bit of a plug here, but we are having uh, Joshua Williamson is coming on our live show yes. next Tuesday, ostensibly to talk about Nailbiter Returns, but I think we'll probably sneak in some stuff about Birthright as well. I'll definitely bring it up. And I would be willing to put $1,000 on the fact that we'll, Pete will bring up the, uh, the fact that the hero of this book jumped on a motorcycle and went on a ride during this issue. <laughs> I was just about to talk about that and then you ruined yep. it. You fu- how you did love- you know that? Because I'm inside your brain. I know what you're thinking even when you were not talking I was just to about other. to do a bit about how this comic is just an ad for motorcycles and you t- completely stole that from me. I didn't steal it from you. I just knew it was coming <laughs> and wanted to. It's like if you were like, here, let me give you $10, and I had already taken it out of your wallet. Whoa. That's not stealing. This is Pete. You are a autobiographer is, I think, the main thing that's going on here. Yeah. Yes. But there you go. Uh, moving over to the Marvel Gamerverse. This is something that we were actually talking about. We didn't have a lot of knowledge of, I think, on the very last podcast. I could be wrong about that. But Marvel Spider-Man The Black Cat Strikes Number 4 from Marvel Comics, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam and art by Luco Maresca. Uh, this is picking up, of course, after the Marvel Spider-Man game that came out for PS4. Uh, this is... I don't know. I never played the game, but uh, Black Cat is dead, and Spider-Man is pretty bummed about it, but he's kind of cool about it because he's dating Mary Jane, uh, and then he fights some people. Uh, what did you think I, about this book? I did not like this book. <laughs> I did not like the fact that he's... Are yeah. you doing Dr. Seuss? Yeah, I really thought yeah, you were going to do Green Eggs and Ham there. Uh, I, yeah, I just... Um, <laughs> Black Hat's a great character. Um, you know, I understand the position they're trying to make here, but it's just... Fucking pisses me off because I had MJ taken away from me, and then it's like you're gonna give me MJ in this, but he's really feeling Black Cat more. So like, fuck you. I do not like that Spider Man. I do not like him, <laughs> Pete. I am. <laughs> yes, I'll work on some more over the course of the show. We'll see what happens. I do not like this Black Cat. I do <laughs> not like this purple hat. <laughs> oh, we should probably mention that Pete's wearing a purple hat right now. That's yes. important. 
Yeah. Uh, the Pete in the Hat. Um, I, uh, I, I like this. I mean, what I liked about is there's a great scene um, in the middle. Pete, uh, Peter Parker's struggling with the fact that he used to date um, yeah. Felicia Hardy, Black Cat. Um, he's with Mary Jane now, but Felicia Hardy died, and he's uh, having trouble coming to terms with it. And there's this great scene where Mary Jane's like, what are you thinking about? He's like, ah, just this other stuff, dinner, whatever. And then she's like, tell me, tell me, tell me. And he does, and she, like, it's a great just relationship moment. And uh, I thought you would like that, Pete. I I thought it was unbelievable of MJ to be such an understanding person and a great partner who wants to hear about somebody's past relationships and help them uh, kind of get over it and move on. Uh, but it just sucks that the tone of it is, man, uh, Black Cat is so cool. Uh, you know, I'm on this date with MJ, but I'm really thinking about Black Cat. That's heartbreaking, man. I do not like <laughs> when you mention your ex. I do not like when you mention that sex. <laughs> Uh, just to wrap this up, I, I like this book as well, actually. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it, given the fact that I've never played the game and don't have a lot of familiarity with it. But I think that comes down to Dennis Hallam is very good at basing characters in reality and making them feel very present, particularly in their relationships. Uh, and I think that comes through here. Yeah. Wonder Woman number 755 from DC Comics, written by Steve Orlando and art by Jesus Marino. Uh, this is very complicated. Yeah. Lots of stuff going on with Wonder Woman right here. Classic Steve Orlando to be like, here's <laughs> yeah. a million characters from continuity yeah. that I'm all going to throw against yeah. Wonder Woman. But you have uh, Diana. Diana? Diana's yes. good. Wonder yeah. Woman. Uh, no, no, no. Wait. Uh, who's the... Donna Troy. Donna yeah. Troy. Donna. That's who I was thinking of. Donna Troy is fighting a bunch of villains. Uh, Wonder Woman is somewhere else. She's in Boston. She goes up against a villain from the annual that Steve Orlando wrote. So he's looping back to that stuff there. Uh, and it's a lot of classic Wonder Woman having to make tough decisions right in the moment. What would you think about this issue? It felt like, uh, I think you summed it up well, like just Steve Orlando has such a mastery of continuity and he sort of weaves it all together. It was a lot to sort of take in at once uh, for this issue, but I really love the Donna Troy stuff. Donna Troy is a character that I feel like just hasn't been around much lately. Um, So it's great to see her back. Um, And I was great to, I was happy to read a Wonder Woman issue with a lot of continuity that didn't have cheat in it. Huh. Huh. Interesting. I thought it was fun action. Uh, it, it, it is a lot at once. I got a little confused about what was happening and what was going on. Uh, also, it was weird to me how this uh, other lady could like take you know take down Wonder Woman. So it was like I, I was a little kind of disappointed with where it ended, but it was kind of like a, you know we'll see how she gets out of this type of thing. So I kind of understand that, but um, yeah. I, yeah, you yeah Wonder I'm Woman a big fan win. of Wonder Woman winning. I think she's a pretty badass lady. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Mm. Disagree. Okay. Hard disagree. Uh, I, I will call out uh, Jesus Marino's uh, character designs, particularly the villains, were pretty messed up in exactly the right way, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, speaking of which, that segues nicely into our next title, Dungeons and Dragons Infernal Tides, number three from IDW, written by Jim Zub and art by Max Dunbar. This is doing a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons stuff that I don't quite hey. understand. But yeah, you gotta play some we games, play games. Come on, I man. I do got to play some games. 
No, I know. But the thing, main thing that I want to call out, I, I haven't read the previous two issues of this. So it's a bunch of people who are about to be sucked into hell uh, and fighting some monsters. The monsters, uh, as designed by Max Dunbar, are great. Like, they're yeah. really messed up in exactly the right way. And I like that. It's creepy the way you say that. Yeah, this is. I, I thought this was I fun fantasy action. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I. Uh, this uh, fun fantasy action it felt like a good role playing game. Uh, characters, the mix of like fantasy elements and sort of like ships, some technology. Like uh, I was like playing a Final Fantasy or reading a Final Fantasy game. Um, there's no yeah, sub the, for the sub. Sub hub is killing it. I feel like uh, <laughs> this, I agree with Justin. This is like this really feels like an. How often do you check out Zubhub, Pete? <laughs> Zubhub. What's all the hubbub uh, with so, the Zubhub? Yeah, I just think that like this really felt epic, what you kind of wanted like, out of a D&D thing. And I really thought it was really cool the way that like they weren't, you know, they were dragging them into hell. You know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, the other way around. It was pretty cool. I, I thought that, yeah, I agree with you, the designs and everything. <laughs> Wait, sorry. What would the uh, other way around be? Dragging you out of hell? Instead of dragging... <laughs> the devil famously dragging people out of hell? No, it wasn't like hell... You know, usually people are trying to, like, break from hell into Earth. Like, onto... You know what I mean? Break out of hell. Usually. But they were trying to drag them into hell, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that is the classic way that it happens. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> like yes. we just yeah, dragged you, you to hell, Pete, sure with this did. line of questioning. <laughs> yes, real interrogation going on there. Uh, yeah, the, uh, for the art alone, I think it's worth picking this up. Uh, moving on to another one: Dollhouse Family Number Six from DC Comics slash The Hill House line, written by M. R. Carey, art by Peter Gross. The continuity of this is very complicated. But basically, what you need to know is there is an evil dollhouse that has been plaguing a family line for generations at this point, and it's all come down to this issue where they're taking it mano a mano or mano a dollhouse if you prefer uh, to take it all down it's gross it's over the top it's harrowing man I love this issue and I love this series nobody does dark fantasy like M.R. Carey uh, and Peter this, Gross yeah was wow. fucking gross I mean that bloody <laughs> dollhouse like that dollhouse was dripping blood like oh I really wish I could get that image out of my head. They did so. Yeah, but the cat ate something at the I'm end. I'm gonna you get to that, you fuck. But yep. I feel like, like sometimes <laughs> horror does such a great job of like putting these images in your head that you'll never get out. And that bloody dollhouse is something I'm gonna have to see for a while. And it's really unbelievably designed and really well imagined in such a creepy, amazing way. And man, what a great use of a talking badass cat. That's fucking fantastic. Uh and then like that whole like face monster was so gross and so fucked up. But yeah, badass girl with a fucking like power hand, I fucking love that shit. Yeah, fun end with the power. She's wearing a power glove like the original Nintendo. Yes, it's so cool. Very cool and not at all redundant after 6 months of owning it. Um, I, uh, like I say every morning to my daughters, let's take this dollhouse down. Uh, <laughs> and that's what happens in the issue. And I thought it was great. I agree with you, Alex. Uh, Peter Gross's art especially was fantastic. 
Yeah, this is so good. Uh, I actually don't know if the series is done. There's certainly a tease that there potentially could be more in the future. But regardless, this these six issues are a great package. Pick up the trade. Go back, read them. It's great. Star number four from Marvel Comics, written by Kelly Thompson and art by Javier Pina uh, with Jay Lestine uh, and Felipe Andrade uh, working on alternate timeline type stuff. So this is focusing on a potentially burgeoning supervillain in the Marvel Universe. She has the reality stone stuck in her chest. She has a bone to pick with Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel kind of killed her. And in this issue, the Black Order is after her, specifically the reality stone that resides in front of her. Um, I, I know we talked about the past couple of issues of this. This continues to be very good. Like, I love the line that Kelly Thompson is running with. Is this character going to be a supervillain? Is she going to be a superhero? What is going to happen to her? I'm very invested in it. Yeah, I agree. Like, do you feel like, are you on Carol Danvers' side at all in this issue? I don't think so. No, I, I, the whole time I'm like, get out of, you're, (laughs) lately I feel like she's being written across the board as this just like hyper aggressive, like, often wrong superhero. And I feel like that's carried through here. But I think rightly so. Like, I think that's a good choice that they're making, particularly to make us understand what star is feeling. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's good. It's definitely good in this series, but I'm curious why Carol Denver's across the board is being written in this way. That is to me after the movie and stuff. You would think they want to get that the opposite. Um, I, I'm really impressed because I was like, man, at the beginning of this, I was like, why are they still fighting each other? It just seems like a conversation can really help this out. But just the pacing of this and the way it's kind of unfolding is so great. The fact that we're not like fast forwarding, like we're sitting with her as she's making the decisions that's going to reveal whether or not she's a villain or a hero and the way she's kind of like thinking about things and the way she's processing things with us as they're happening. This is really a fun book. I've been really impressed with this. You love the flashbacks, especially the art. Yeah, very good stuff across the board. Definitely go back and pick this one up because it's a fun read. Next one, Deadly Class, number 44 from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender and art by Wes Craig. This is continuing the storyline where the students are just trying to take a nice vacation in a cabin in the woods. Just trying to camp. Just trying to camp. And unfortunately, as usual, ninjas and other villains attack them and kill them. Uh... There is a tease at the end of the issue that one of our uh, favorite characters may have died. There, there's You're a right, lot Pete? of like our characters getting hurt and hit in this one. Yes, De- I think many of them are getting yeah, hit. I mean, Rick Commander, he keeps doing this to me. He keeps ripping out my goddamn heart every time I fall in love with the character. Oh. Well, I I hear you, Pete, because like when I pick up this book, which is called, I believe, Friendly Class, it's really (laughs) nice to see just people getting along and screwing around. You're right. I just think that like, you know. uh, (laughs) It's deadly class, Pete. People are going to die. It's just this thing of like Rick Remender has, he's not going to be like, oh, this person's never going to get hurt or never nothing. Uh, Like he, nobody's safe. And. Just the tension of this book and the art that mixes with it, it's 
It's action-packed and really intense and pays off things so well. This is a really great read. Yeah, every issue of this is good, and in oh. particular, Wes Craig's art is a superstar. So um, good. Amazing. There's a sequence at the beginning where uh, the main character, Marcus, is hallucinating that his yeah. father is there that is so way well laid out and so well done throughout. Uh, there's nothing like his art on this book. And I want to shout out, especially in that sequence, The Letterer, um, which mm. is really just it, – it transports you to to the whole – the place where this is happening. And uh, it's that whole opening sequence really yeah. got me on board for this. Next one to talk about, there's another Hill House book, Plunge Number 3 from DC Comics, written by Joe Hill and art by Stuart Eminen. This is... God, I'm, I was trying to think how to describe yeah, it you, while I was reading it, because it's kind it's of a combination of, like, The Thing and The Abyss and, and a bunch of other things all at the same time. Yeah, but very much so The Thing. There's a crew that is going to investigate a weird signal coming from an island, and there they've discovered a bunch of people who seem to be infected by some sort of worms that turn them blind, but also into a hive mind. And this issue, we get a little bit of exposition, but not all the exposition we need. Uh, I I honestly love the fact that I can't pinpoint exactly what this is. It feels like a double episode of X-Files, the original oh, yeah. series of X-Files. Good call. Where it's like, it's like wild how far down sort of the pipeline it goes. Like the Walkman yeah. where the one character can hear other people's thoughts. Like that shit's wild and I love that. So yeah, it does have, there's just so much going on and it's really well like balanced between the different um, elements I, happening. And Yeah, it's really insane. Uh, but it's also like, I was kind of yelling at this comic where I was just like, you know, don't trust zombies i don't care how good at fucking math they are you don't fucking trust zombies <laughs> yeah no, but i don't really care. good at math pete yeah like if a if a zombie came in and was like i'll finish your homework because i know you still do homework uh like no. you'd let you tr- you'd let him in no i would not okay all right well, <laughs> doesn't seem accurate to me you're not gonna get your homework done uh, all right. Well, regardless, pick this up. This is a great horror read uh, that's definitely fascinating and weird. And I think X-Files is absolutely the touch point uh, that was kind of like skirting around the back of my head. So good call skirting. there. Uh, Ghosted in L.A., number 10 for Boom Studios, written by wow. and illustrated by Cena Grace. Uh, this takes place in an apartment complex in L.A. There is a human person that has been helping yeah, out a couple of do. ghosts in there. And things are starting to go. As you do, it's like Melrose Place, mm-hmm. but with ghosts. Oh, yeah. Pete, you uh, love this book. I haven't read every issue of this book. I've actually missed a couple, but I like this issue the best that wow. I've read so far, I think. Like this, well, this to me, what what this brings in that the series has been missing a little bit, like it mostly started with, it felt like it started with the title, like what if ghosted, but really ghosts? 
And it's evolved beyond that to create threats to the ghosts, threats from the ghosts, mixing with the relationship trauma at the same time. Um, so it feels more present. It, present, it feels more ominous. <laughs> I think Cedar Grace's designs yeah. for all the characters are really good and fun. Um, I, I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. How'd you guys feel about it? I liked it a lot too. Um, I f- uh, I felt like this the, this series really sat in the premise for too long. Just the original idea, like you're saying, Alex. And yeah, it's really moving now. Um, all the characters are really fun and interesting. I like the mystery elements that are like, hey, there's this fucked up door in the basement, but also you have to go to this party. Like I like that they're not solving everything in this issue. Yeah, I agree. The really art's fun. great. I love the paneling and definitely the way they, the difference between the ghosts and the humans and the coloring and the shading. I, I think this is great storytelling. This is very creative and different and it's, it's very, it's a nice because like, I look forward to this book every time because, like, we do so many superhero stuff, and it's always a nice kind of different kind of comic in my stack uh, that's a, a little bit more kind of art-focused and, and stuff like that as far as, like, the way it's paced and a little different. So I, I always look forward to this book. I think it's doing a great job. Yeah. Next one to talk about Red Hood Outlaw number 45 from DC Comics, written by Scott Lobdell and art by Paolo Pantelena. This is the Red Hood and a bunch of other folks fighting some folks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, The main shout out that I'll give is uh, Paolo Pantelena's art which I think the character designs are great here. The villains are gross. I think the action is good throughout. I have no idea how most of these characters are other than Jason Todd and Bizarro. Um, but I enjoyed looking at it, even if I didn't quite understand what was happening in the plot, to be perfectly honest. This felt like a, a yeah. 90s comic from, like, Valiant or, like, what was that comic from the the nineties where it was like organic spaceships. I think it was a Valiant comic and um, it was all like, everything mm. was very goopy. Um, is this ringing know. a bell? No. Um, I thought you were going for cross gen oh, for a yeah. moment. Yeah. I uh, definitely had that vibe, uh, but it, it really took me back. We don't get in anyone's head hardly at all. It's just like a, a bunch of people fighting and it's like, wait, who's, who are these people? Um, so it, it, but it, it does definitely, if you're a fan of that sort of 90s stuff vibe, like... This yeah, is, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, a savage dragon with the sharpness of people <laughs> and, uh, you know, the way it's kind of, like, the way they kind of, like, stand in these action poses. Sometimes it's a little much with the 90s kind of vibe that I think Justin's talking about. Hey, Pete, that's a great segue to talk about our next issue, which is Savage Dragon number 248 from Image Comics. I finally helped you with the transition. Thank you so much, Pete. Yeah. Team Supreme, right? You and me. You do like them. You do like (laughs) me, Pete. You are. Uh, I, I gotta tell you. I don't think I like Savage Dragon, but I love revisiting it every 10 to 15 issues or so. Because interesting. It's just you're like you revisit it, you're like, what the (laughs) fuck is going on with this comic book? Which part was weird? Was it the two characters that are just shit arguing with each other? (laughs) 
Do you think that's what it was? Did that raise a flag? <laughs> I respect Eric Larson for continuously doing this comic for so many years. I think that's wonderful. His art is fun. And like you were saying, it's like good 90s stuff. But it's every issue, there is something where it's like, well, I don't know who these characters are or the, how they connect to anything. Oh, okay, there's going to be some weird, fucked up sex stuff. And Pete, I know you like to make fun of me for being like, yeah, you're fucking into perverted stuff. I read an issue like this, and I'm like, why are they suggesting that they have a wet, nasty <laughs> group sex? In the- or she. Why is this it's so weird. Yeah, um, this caught, I was like. Plus the word. Because like, you're like, I love the Eric Russell. And I'm like, yo. I- I love that Eric Larson keeps making this, but he could take a break. Because it's also <laughs> like the the girl is so young in some panels, and then later she's asking for an orgy, and I'm like, what? What is her age? <laughs> Plus There's, also two of the characters in that like scene the... were... Two of oh, the characters in that scene were Web, web yeah. Slinger and Wall Crawler. I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah, and they're all named like Peter, Parker... Mary, Jade, it's yeah. very weird. The whole thing's very weird. I feel like the last issue I read of Savage Dragon, they were like, well, that's it. No more Savage Dragon ever. He's done forever. And this issue was like, hey, real quick, inject uh, that lady with my blood to turn her into one of me and then take out my blood and then turn and give her superpowers and then she'll be healed from whatever thing happened to the last issue. Uh, it's it's like perfectly nineties insanity. And there again, like there's a certain pleasant thing about checking in with it and just being like, yeah, ah, this is just a dash I, of crazy. I have, one that more, I'm enjoying. I have one more comparison for you. Um, my, uh, my daughter's mm-hmm. doing zoom school now and we, uh, put, uh, we did this experiment where we touched bread and then didn't touch bread and put it in a container and we put it in our closet and I feel like that's what, uh, and we've got to check on it and see what germs go on it. I feel like <laughs> Savage Dragon is the one with germs on it, and we're going to open and be like, holy shit, look at all this. Wait, I'm sorry. Does your kid's school have a project to rot some bread? Yes. Well, we're not doing the rotting. We're just maybe going to look at it. And I will say, let me be honest, we did that two weeks ago, and no one's brought it up since. So, <laughs> is, I, this, is it still in your closet? Yes, because I, I, it's an experiment we started. I'm not going to be anti-science. <laughs> be like, I love the fact that we're in a world right now where people are like, hey, I've lost my job, and I'm starving. And your school is like, ruin uh, bread. I did like <laughs> I mean, I will say I, I was like three pieces of bread because we also have a control piece of bread. I was like, we're going to throw away three uh, pieces. Of I bread, did like bread the basically. funnies in the back. I thought some of them were enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty good. The, the guy who has to go um, to the hospital because he gets hard eyes when he looks at his girlfriend—that's funny. That was funny. Yes, that was fun. I like that as well. The Valiant comic was called Warriors oh. of Plasm. Um, never, I've never I read that or even heard of that. Well, it, it's very goopy. Uh, let's turn to something completely normal that everybody is going to agree on and understand. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number 10 from DC Comics, written by Matt Fraction and art by Steve Lieber. Oh, my God. I love this book so much. So fun. Very uh, fun. It's so good. And here's... 
the reason I know I was sort of joking with the setup here, but to me, it is like the diametric opposite of Savage Dragon, because I read Savage Dragon. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, they're telling the entire story insanely and very purposely out of order to the point where like in this issue, they're like, hey, do you remember this thing? You probably don't. Anyway, this takes place sometime. Why are we doing this? I don't know. But it's slowly adding the pieces of the story together in such a fun, ludicrous way that I am loving it. Like, I love every issue of this book so much. I agree, and he's a master of disguise, Jimmy. Well, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> you got this issue. The bit where Jimmy's brother falls in love with him when he's dressed as a woman is so stupid in exactly yeah. the right way. This it's comic is dumb. It's brilliant. And it's not worth picking up. You are wow. so wrong, Pete. So wrong, Pete. I tried so to read this wrong. like three times, and I was just like, what the fuck is happening? It is. is that because you're Superman's <laughs> other pal? And you Maybe. feel jealous? There's a talking cat in this one, too. You yeah, love talking yeah, I cats, Pete. I do love talking cats when I can understand what's happening. Uh, this, uh, Yeah, I just, I tried to, I tried it. I tried. I don't know what to tell you. I tried. All right. I tried a couple <laughs> times in a row because like really, I was like, you, this can't be. Why are you crying? Can't, I, I got to be missing something. <laughs> I feel like you're divorcing us right now. Yeah. I, I tried. tried. I, I tried. tried to make this work. I'm sorry. Good for you. I love this title. I think this is wonderful. I cannot wait. This is a title that like I read every issue and I'm like, I want it to finish so I can go back and read all 12 oh issues God. at the same time and read it. And I'm so looking forward to somebody, some crazy fan online is going to put it in the right order. And that's going to make me so happy. Uh, it's brilliant. Last one to talk about, though, Jim Henson's The Storyteller Ghost, number two from Boob Studios, story and art by Jennifer Rostowski. This is, of course, uh, picking up on the Jim Henson's The Storyteller uh, comic book that, uh, not comic book, TV show that TV came show, out yeah. many decades ago. Uh, this is a ghost story as implied, by the, um, implied by the title. Talking dog. Yes, there is a talking dog with a storyteller. Uh, there is a woman who is very jealous of her ex-significant other. Uh, she curses herself, essentially, to be a floating head with a heart. Uh, the art in this, I thought, was yeah. gorgeous. This is, yeah, yeah, this is, a, fucked this up is a really beautiful mm -hmm. book. Some amazing storytelling. The pages in here are just absolutely fantastic. Uh, the paneling, everything is really well done. There's such emotion jumps right off the page. And I really liked the story. I really liked how the person, even though wrong, kind of at the end realizes how wrong she's been, uh, even though it's too late. I, I think this is a great story, great message. I think it's really well told, and the art's unbelievable. Um. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a, a good, uh, the art's great. I wanted one more twist in the story. The story mm -hmm. felt very much like, well, don't That's do this. And then she does. It and was like, like, well, hey, now you're a, a ghost. Mistake, and now she's completely <laughs> fucked. Don't be like the floating head with a heart. <laughs> what I think is interesting about this 
particular book that Boom is releasing is the storyteller has been very dramatic fairy tales, and this is leading into more Asian uh, fairy tales and that sort of mode. I mean, there's certainly other things that go on here, but uh, I agree with you, Justin, just in terms of the storytelling, but in terms of the art, in terms of the way they're trying to expand what the storyteller can be, I appreciate that and I respect yeah. that. It does, it does feel very Japanese to be like, the ghost story is like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> and no more. There's no other. What more do you want? Exactly. Like saying don't do that. Uh, like what more? No, I, I agree. I think I felt like the storyteller, like the classic storyteller episodes, and maybe I'm misremembering them, but is very like she would do this thing where she would cheat a ghost and end up as a floating head with a heart. And then it would be like, no, 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 I apologize. Here's how I'm going to get it back. And then she lived out the rest of her life trying to be a better person. Like that to me is classic Jim Henson, the storyteller. This is, she curses the ghost. The ghosts are like, well, you're fucked. You're going to be a floating head with a heart for the rest of your life. And then that's, yeah, that's it's like, it. Hey, there's <laughs> consequences is. to your actions. So don't be jealous. She just needed a black ribbon. If she just had a black ribbon. Yeah. Well, it's like if you decide to do a podcast for 14 years, yeah, then you exactly. have to do it. Right, Pete? If you'd like to support this <laughs> podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. directly to the internet crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang yeah, out. Come we'll hang chat out. About comics. You can win some prizes. Hey, just come hang out. Just have a good come time. Yeah. Uh, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club on Facebook, uh, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And hey, we want to see you at the comic book shop, but we'll see you at the oh virtual boy. comic book shop. Big difference. <laughs> Good. Now that's the twist I wanted Big in Storyteller right there. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.